Speak to us through your word. In the name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning and welcome once again to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. My name is Craig and it is uh, our privilege to have you with us as we've come to gather together on this very first Sunday of Advent uh, as we reflect upon, remember, and rejoice in the coming Savior. So thank you for being with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to make it pretty easy for you. We're going to be in John 3, 16. John 3, 16. As you're turning, let me just make a couple of brief announcements. First, there is a correction. There's a typo in the bulletin that uh, I missed three times somehow. Um, but the Budget and Finance Committee and the deacons will meet tomorrow night, not next Monday. I'm not sure why. Um, uh, I, I think I did that. I'm not sure why. But it is tomorrow night, so just be aware of that. Okay? All right. Everybody's got that. That's good. Okay. Second thing, um, I want to remind you all about our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We'll make reference to that again in, in, uh, probably in the, in the sermon. But our goal this year is, is $20,000. And I want you to be reminded that every single dollar that you give to Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to the mission field. It doesn't go to administrative costs. None of it stays right here in our church. Every single dime goes to support missionaries like Luke and Patty Talbert that we will um, have with us via uh, FaceTime or Skype or something uh, next Sunday night. But just, just be aware of that. Also, finally, I want to reemphasize what Adam said. There are life group fellowships uh, going on this evening. Um, please uh, make special effort to fellowship and spend time with your life groups. That's the, the real locus of ministry and mission here at Malvern Hill. And those are the places where you're going to build relationships. All right. Hopefully now you've made it to John 3.16. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to read John 3.16 through John 3.21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would be with us today as we consider this greatest gift of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we reflect upon the incredible love of God that He would send His Son, may we all, Lord God, be overwhelmed by Your love for us and for others. Lord God, may we be encouraged to carry the good news of the gospel everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you so much for being here. Um, some good things happened at our church, and I, I like to reflect upon those. We had uh, Miss Lauren Norton playing the piano for the very first time with us today, so that's awesome uh, when we can see other people stepping up into positions of, of, of service here at Malvern Hill. I do want to let you know that if you'd like to be involved with our music ministry, we'd love to have you. Just see Kevin. Uh, you don't even have to do a... Uh, do they have to do an audition? I'm not sure. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's, I would have to do an audition, but you don't. Um, but uh, we'd love to have you in, in the ways that you can do that. Please do make special attention. It's a busy time of year for us here at Malvern Hill, um, and, and in every church and in every life. 
but I hope that you'll make an effort to participate in the things of your church family. Here's the big question for us today, though. Who do you need to share the gospel with this Christmas season? Who do you need to share the gospel with this Christmas season? Here at our house and in our family, we've been working on Christmas lists. Uh, over Thanksgiving, we had aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins curiously ask about gift ideas and Christmas lists. And so kids were sitting at tables all over writing out lists and circling things in magazines and in catalogs. We shopped online and in store trying to get the gifts that our family members will love. So far, there have been some pretty interesting gift requests. Pokemon card holders. It always comes from like a second grade boy. I don't understand it. Um, some sort of kid's furniture called a nugget. Y'all aren't even smiling. Are y'all happy to be here? I know it's rainy outside, y'all, but at least smile. Uh, a volleyball, bedroom slippers, coats, uh, new shotguns. That was actually for me. If anybody's interested, I can give you the model. Um, but uh, 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 an Amazon Echo, for those of you who don't believe the Russians are listening in. Baking dishes, Polly Pockets, puppies, video games. I like this one, a $100 bill. Makeup bags, duffel bags, baseball gloves, and the worst of all, a Clemson jersey. I know, right? Somebody in our family wants to be a winner. <laughs> Truth hurts, folks. Truth hurts. The rest of us are satisfied in our mediocrity, and somebody wants to rise above. We shall overcome. So we're working on our list, and we're checking them twice. But folks, who do you know who needs the gospel? With whom will you share the good news of Jesus this season? We're focusing this Christmas season at church on Jesus as the gift that has been given. The greatest gift we can share is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be giving you resources over the course of the next several weeks to, and, and providing opportunities so that hopefully you can grow more comfortable and, 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 and better at sharing the gospel. But, but before we can even get you to be comfortable, there's got to be this desire and belief in your heart that there are people around you who actually need the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to consider this incredible love of God that He would send His only Son to die on a cross for our sin. Now, John 3.16 is, at least in the English language, um, the most well-known or best well-known verse in all the Bible. I, I did a little bit of research this week. I'm a little curious because I'm not sure that it's always been, and I, I just ran out of time. I'm curious to know if John 3.16, if the, the, the sort of popularity in John 3.16 follows the rise in Billy Graham. I believe it's possible um, that a lot of what we see comes about as a result of the incredible ministry of Billy Graham that influenced so many people. You know, Billy Graham was so used by God and so lived on that verse of Scripture. But I, I don't know for sure. It could be that that's been the most popular verse of Scripture since, you know, somewhere around 8300. I really have no idea. I just know that in the English language, there is no verse of Scripture that is better known then John 3.16. And along with Psalm 23, those really categorize or capture the, the, the knowledge of the Scriptures that even those in the United States of America who have absolutely no connection to the church would at least have some familiarity more likely than not with those verses. They've heard them somewhere at a funeral or, 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 or just saw it out yesterday. We were watching some college football and somebody was running by the screen with a 
with a big poster that said John 3.16. We see that all over the place. But if, 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 if you're not familiar, let me explain. John 3.16 is not in isolation. It's not as though we just get this one verse and it comes out of nowhere. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus is speaking specifically to a man named Nicodemus. And he may not have been speaking Nicodemus all by himself. We don't know. Uh, there's some plural uh, verb uses in here that suggest that maybe Nicodemus didn't come all by himself. Nicodemus was a famous, uh, or, or famous in our culture sounds bad. That would sound like he's known by millions of people. He would be a respected and well-known teacher in the Jewish culture. And as a result of being that respected and well-known teacher, he more likely than not would have had disciples. And some of them may have come with him to see Jesus at night. Now, John wants us to know that Nicodemus came at night. And that's not an accident. John wants us to know that Nicodemus wasn't trying to draw lots of attention to this encounter with Jesus, okay? Um, so Nicodemus comes by night. Jesus is incredibly busy. And, and Nicodemus says, uh, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do or these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, I want you to see that Nicodemus didn't ask a question right there. Nicodemus made a statement. Look at how Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Folks, Jesus didn't answer Nicodemus' statement. Jesus takes control of the conversation right here. Nicodemus shows up looking for maybe an academic conversation, maybe an opportunity to engage with Jesus at one level, and Jesus immediately takes it somewhere completely different. Jesus wants Nicodemus to know that he can't just know Jesus with his head. He's got to know Jesus with his with his heart. The Bible says that Nicodemus was confused. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you, you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Huh? Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And watch what Jesus says. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Folks, we, again, tend to categorize Jesus as sort of this big teddy bear. My mom picked up a giant stuffed dog for my youngest nephew. In our family, there are nine grandchildren on my side of the family, and, and there's one baby. There's always the baby, you know. And, and so Bennett is, is 18 months old, and he is spoiled rotten. Everybody wants to buy him cute things and keep all the cute things away out of my house, you know. So my mom bought him this stuffed dog that's this big, and it's just humongous, and he's just to cuddle with it. We sometimes sort of picture Jesus as this big stuffed, fluffy dog that we just kind of cuddle up with and snuggle. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Do you understand that this is, this is insulting? Jesus is challenging Nicodemus. You're supposed to be the teacher and yet you don't know? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen. But you do not receive our testimony. Again, Nicodemus comes and says, We know that you're a good person. And Jesus says, You're not even listening to what I'm saying. 
If I've told you earthly things you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one who has ascended into heaven except who has except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You say, Craig, why in the world do you read all that if we're trying to get to John 3.16? Because here's what I want you to understand. In a J- ancient Jewish understanding, the Messiah would come to judge and condemn those outside the world as he ruled over Israel. Nicodemus corrects this misunderstanding. Nicodemus comes and says, we understand that you must be a a great teacher of God. And Jesus says, hold up. We're not going to deal with you on your terms. He says, because Nicodemus, your entire premise is wrong because you do not understand. Nicodemus, you've got to have a lot more than an effort at, at, at a mental grasp of who I am. There's got to be a rebirth that must take place. What Nicodemus didn't and others didn't see was that the world was already condemned. The world stood outside of Christ. They viewed salvation through this purely physical lens that the Messiah would come and set them free from Roman rule. We're going to see this idea of condemnation on the backside of John 3. But this idea for them was that the Messiah would come and set them free from Roman rule. And Jesus says, I can't even talk to you about earthly things because what we really need to talk about is spiritual things. There's a salvation that comes from above. And Nicodemus, if I am the Messiah, I'm here to tell you that I do a lot more than come to deliver you from Roman rule. I've come that you may have life and have it eternally. Nicodemus needed to know that the Messiah was not a political savior. He was much more. And folks, I want us to know that today. Jesus is not Republican or Democrat. Jesus is not American or British. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He reigns over all. He is supreme over all. He has created all. He sustains all. And He alone provides salvation for all who will call upon His name. And so as we come together at Christmas, it's important that we remember He's more than a baby in a manger. He's a conquering king who will return one day to bring home those who are His. This morning I ask you, Who do you need to share the gospel with? Listen to me this morning. I want you to see three things. First of all, I want you to see that God gave because he loves. That's right. That was the whole introduction, by the way. We haven't made it to the first point. It's going to be a fun day. God gave because he loves. Don't miss this. He loves. Like I kind of want to stand up now and jump up now and scream it. He loves. He loves. He loves. There are lots of reasons why God may have given. There are multiple theological reasons that we can give for why God gave Jesus. I even acknowledge with the Westminster Divines and with those Baptists of old that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. However, when we come to John 3.16, we should never gloss over this. God loves the world. He loves all of His creation. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God Loves And Jesus was sent because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loves you. God loves those who are outside the walls of this building. He loves those who are on the other side of the world. He loves those who don't yet know Christ and desires that they would be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ. The love of God understood as we understand God's love would have been very foreign to Nicodemus. Don't miss this. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. What do you know about the Pharisees? They were fair, you see. Um, See? Y'all are a tough crowd this morning. 
I know it's raining outside, okay, but it's warm inside, and we've got Jesus, all right? Thank you. The world, the, the love of God understood as we understand God's love would have been foreign to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. That means he was the legalist of all legalists, right? He was Lloyd legalist, and he enjoyed his legalism. Now, what's the scary thing about legalism? Legalism as we understand it, okay, or not as we understand legalism does essentially this. Legalism says, if I do this for you, then you've got to do this for me. Legalism is an effort to try and put God in our debt. There's no love in legalism. There's only, there's only payment and receipt. I do this, so you owe me that. We, 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 we're back and forth. When Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, for Nicodemus, this is a mind-blowing experience. What do you mean that God would love? Jesus, don't you understand? I've got the law, and I've got to keep the law. And if I do all these things, then maybe something will turn out in my, in my favor, in my benefit. Jesus says God loves. This foreign idea is difficult for Nicodemus to wrap his brain around because he's not used to the idea of God as a loving heavenly father. Instead, he's used to an idea of God as a transcendent father who oversees things, not as a God who would, as John 1 teaches us, come and tabernacle among us. He doesn't fathom the reality that God in the flesh is standing with him in the dark and engaging in this conversation. That God so loved you, Nicodemus, that he sent me to come here and share this good news with you and eventually to go to the cross and to die so that you might live. God so loved. He says, Nicodemus, the Spirit of God moves on your soul like the wind on your body. You experience the work, but you have no control over it. Jesus here isn't saying that God works on us against our will, but merely that we do not control the Spirit of God. For Nicodemus would spend his whole life believing that if he worked hard, he could earn God's favor. Jesus offers this radical teaching that Nicodemus, God loves you in spite of you, not because of you. Do you understand the difference there? God loves you in spite of you, not because of you. I like to think that Angela's a pretty lucky woman to be married to me. But that's just not true. <laughs> right? A whole lot of times she loves me in spite of who I am, not because of who I am. She loves me in spite of the fact that I don't always manage time in the way that she thinks would be best. You see how I worded that? You've got to be careful with that, guys, because if you say it wrong, then you really put yourself in a hole. She loves me in spite of the fact that, that you know, I, 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 I spread myself to this. She loves me in spite of all. Not because of that, but in spite of that. And so much more, our Heavenly Father. He doesn't look down on Craig Thompson going, there's a guy that I really see a whole lot of potential in him. And, man, I tell you, if, I, I think he's, he's really done something to earn my love. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Christ died. Not because of us, but in spite of us. This is revolutionary for Nicodemus. And folks, it should be revolutionary for, for us. God's love is not contingent upon your work. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus in spite of your sin. Don't miss it. God loves. Why should we love? Because God is love. Turn over to 1 John 3.16. John, maybe you do or don't know this, when the Bible was originally written, there were no verse numbers or chapter numbers. It was just a long letters or books. And yet, in God's providence, we get John 3.16 and we get 1 John 3.16. How about 1 John 3.16? Listen to this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, 
And we ought, also, or we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. How do we know what love is? That he would lay down his life for us. And he's called us to do the same for others around us. God loves. Second thing I want you to see this morning is that God, well, God gave because he loves. Second thing, God gave because Jesus is the only hope. God loves, yes, no doubt about it. Don't ever miss that. But also know what God knows is that Jesus is the only hope for all of mankind. Period. There is no other way. Acts 4.12 assures us there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If there were another way, it would be ridiculous for Jesus to have come and died. Now, I want us to wrestle with this for just a few minutes. Because sometimes it can almost... It almost feels good to suggest that everyone is going to turn out all right in the end, but it's ludicrous. And this is why. If there is a God who is in heaven, then that God would certainly know what was necessary for salvation. And if that God knew that there were all sorts of ways for a person to be saved. So let's assume that there's a God. Let's just think about this in, in sort of a, a, a physical representation. Let's, let's view what, what a, a universalist or an inclusivist would, would like to say to us. That, that if you'd imagine God is sitting on top of a mountain. all right, And God knows all the affairs of mankind. And, and there are some who suggest that there, there, there are lots of paths that lead there. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that we get to the top. All right? Well, first of all, that idea assumes that we can climb the path. You understand? It assumes that we have it within us to actually get there. Number two, it operates under the assumption that there is a God who's up there overseeing the affairs of mankind. And that that God and His divine providence has so ordained it that there would be four, five, six, thirty-seven different paths that would lead to the summit of this mountain that ultimately result in salvation. Now that sounds really good, right? It sounds very uh, progressive and, and it sounds exciting. But it's, it's ludicrous. And this is why. The logic of it falls apart. Because if there's a God who oversees the affairs of mankind, and he's at the top of this summit, and he looks down, and that God says all of these paths will lead you to salvation, why would that God then say there's lots of opportunities, but Jesus, you go ahead and die anyway? That is unbelievably inconsistent. There would be no reason for Jesus to die if Jesus did not have to die as the only way for salvation. You understand that? So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son because that only begotten son is the only hope for the salvation of all of mankind. It is an amazing act of sacrifice and love for Jesus to die to save us from our sins. But it would be an absolute travesty for Jesus to have died if he didn't need to. God gave because Jesus is the only hope. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we any of you ever remember learning this in the King James, right? A lot of you did. How, how do y'all recite that? How is for, for what? For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Right? We have it in us. It's there, but this, still this understanding, whether you learn it in the King James or the NIV or the ESV or the CSB, or if you memorize it in the Greek, regardless of how you learned it, the truth is still the same. Jesus had to die so that we might be saved. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He says that, or let me back up, Jesus is going to die for the purpose that mankind must be born again. Now, often, we come across this idea of we must be born again as sort of this idea of a moral duty. When Jesus says you must be born again, he doesn't mean by all means see to it that you are born again. On the contrary, what he means here is something like this. Something has to happen to you. The Holy Spirit must plant in your hearts the life from above. This isn't Jesus looking at Nicodemus saying, you must be born again so get your act together. This is Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you've got to get out of the way and allow me to change you. This is a divine imperative. You must be born again or you will not inherit eternal life. God gave because he loves, but God also gave because Jesus is the only hope. The only hope for the salvation of all of mankind and womankind and children kind and all the kinds is Jesus Christ. You must be born again. And the only way that that would happen is if you what? You've accepted the love of Jesus Christ as he has died on the cross of Calvary for you and for me, that Jesus came to earth. He lived 33 years of sinless perfection. He died on an old rugged cross. He rose from the grave three days later. He came and he lived, with, uh, lived on this earth for 40 days following. He ascended to be with the Father where he sits at the right hand today. And he's coming back again to judge the living and the dead and take those who are his home to be with him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. You must be born again. Why? Because Jesus is the only hope. So God gave because he loves. God gave because Jesus is the only hope. And finally this morning, God gave so that we may share the gift. And we're going to be focusing on the gospel and on evangelism for the entire month of December. Um, and, and what we're trying to do is to resource you guys with, with tools and with opportunities to share the gospel. Uh, this week, right now, uh, in, in all the doors leading out of here, uh, we purchased a bunch of these little books. I, I would encourage you to grab one on the way out. We got enough for... I think we bought 200 of them. So if you want one, there's one for you. Um, and, and, and this is a book by, by John Lennox, who is uh, Scottish? Scottish? Scottish. Um, but um, and, and this is all about how easily you can share the gospel. Irish. This is all about working together to share the gospel. Or not working together. It's all about sharing the gospel. So this is experiences that he's had sharing the gospel on a train, in, a plane, in, a, in, a, in an airplane terminal, all these other places, in, in ways that you can communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a book that you can read in, I, I, most of you don't read quite as fast as I do. I think I read it in 35 minutes. So worst case scenario, you can read it in an hour. Uh, it's 65 pages long. It's really big font, so it's like it's lots of white space. Just look at that. It's mostly just white and a few words. Um, but the reason we're putting this in your hands is because is because it's an incredible tool. This is like an this is like an arrow. It's sharp. It's to the point. It gets you the things that you need. We we want to be giving you opportunities and and resourcing you with those things over the next several weeks. Because why? God didn't just give so that we might experience the love of God. God also gave so that we may share in the gift. That we may share in actually giving the gift. As we consider John 3.16 this morning, the love of God and the great gift of God that is Jesus, we must not neglect to reflect also upon the Great Commission. 
If God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, then how much more should we also love the world and share the good news of that only begotten son of God? God gave so that others can be saved. And so in Matthew chapter 28, we read, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You've heard this sermon before, haven't you? We've all been there that when he says go and make disciples, he doesn't simply mean pick a place and go to it, but as you are going, make disciples of all nations. What does that mean? That means that I hope, I hope that all of you will show up next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock when we gather together. We're going to come together. We'll have 10 or 15 minutes of sort of training and a reminder uh, for what we're going to be doing. We're going to send you out. We're going to canvas the community right here around our church building. We're going to go and we're going to knock on doors and we're going to invite people to come to church. We're going to invite people to, to know Jesus. We're going to offer to pray with them. We're not going to pester them. We're, 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 we're not going to drag them out. We're just going to try to love a little bit on our community and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you will come. I hope you will heed the gospel call and the Great Commission call to go in that particular instance. But I want us to keep in mind that this idea of the Great Commission is not just go to a particular place and share the gospel. But it is it, the, the, the verb tense is the idea of as you are going. It's an ongoing activity. So that the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just a, I'm going to go to that place over there and share the gospel, but instead that as I am going about the course of my daily life, I'm looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Some people get, get their, their, their self all up in a fit about this verb tense. Well, well that, does that mean we shouldn't go? No, 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 don't. This is not this idea that you either practice sort of lifestyle evangelism or you go and, and, and give your, your, yourself to ministry in Japan. It's not an either or. And when we get into an either or, we create needless division. It's a both and. Because you are going to encounter people who need Jesus as you walk through the course of your day on a daily basis and as you intentionally set aside time to go to a particular place and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You are the only Jesus that some people will see. They need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to create opportunities to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to give out some little bracelets next week for anybody that will wear them. We've got them in kid sizes and adult sizes and all the things. Okay? And I've got one on right now. And it's just a little small pictogram. It's actually the pictures are in your study guide for next Sunday. And, and, and it's just a little small pictogram. They make these things. Y'all, they make these things up. There's Clemson fans that design this. Um, I'm sorry, but I mean, y'all understand, they need Jesus, so it's a good thing. Um, and I know there is, because they actually have a special Clemson version of this. We didn't buy any of those, just so y'all are clear. Um, but, but this is just one small way that we create opportunity to share the gospel. I was sitting at Thanksgiving lunch, and I had a family member say, what is that? What is that? This is somebody who needs Jesus. Now, what's sad is I said, well, this is the gospel of Jesus. And I explained. He goes, oh, yeah, I, I should have known that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you should have, but you're not living that. But he understand that I didn't, <coughs> I didn't go on a mission trip to share the gospel right there. As I was going through the course of my daily life, there was an opportunity 
to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that mean that I shouldn't then pack up and, and go to Guatemala to share Jesus? No, it means we got to do it all. As you are going, wherever you are going, whenever you are going, in whatever context you are going, make disciples. Which ones? The ones that look like you? No, of all nations. How do we do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. But first we make a disciple and then we baptize them. What does that mean? That means they didn't get saved when they got baptized. That means they are saved outside of anything else. That's why we believe in deathbed conversions. That's why we believe it. Because while there is breath, there is hope. And if a person calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like that thief on the cross, then we have a confidence that on that day they'll be with him in paradise. God gave so that we can be saved, but he also gave Jesus so that we might lead others to Christ. Why is the picture of Andrew so beautiful in the New Testament? Because he's always bringing somebody to Jesus, right? Come on and see him. Come see who I met. Come see what I found. It's the holidays. And we didn't, we didn't have any of this in our family. But we're we're kind of in that, that age gap where we don't have it yet, but it won't be too far, I guess, for some of my, my older cousins where um, their kids might start bringing home a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I mean, my kids don't bring home anybody like that until they're 30, but um, at least my daughters. I don't care what the boys do. They... Their mama, now she cares. But there's that time, you know. I, I remember the first time I brought Angela home to meet, like, all the family. If y'all heard me tell this story before, she spent the entire time like this. Because she's like five one and a half, and they're all, she's not five one and a half. She'll be mad at me. She's like five three, but my whole family's over six feet tall. Even the women, everybody, she walked around this the whole time. And it was great, because they thought she was just so cute, because she's just little, and they're just glad to have her, and everybody's happy to hand her things off the top shelf. <laughs> but there's that moment of kind of like nervousness as you're bringing, but, 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 but I'm, I'm so excited. These are the people I want her to meet. These are my people. And I want them to know I, I've met her. Look at her. Isn't she cool? Isn't she cute? And they're like, oh, Craig, is she 14? I'm like, no, she's 23 years old. I'm not dating one of my students. She is full grown with a degree. She's awesome. For the record, people still look at me and go, hey, I love your children. I said, that's my wife. Oh, is she 25? No, she's not 25. She's just beautiful. She's in the balcony. I'm looking up for points. <laughs> but look, when I, when I brought her home, man, I couldn't wait for people to meet her. Four years ago, we had our Sloan anniversary on Sunday. Four years ago, man, we couldn't wait for everybody to meet Sloan. Right? We, we can't wait for them. When the babies come home from the hospital, we can't wait to introduce them. This is this. Boom, look. This is my child. It's my friend. It's my wife. Whatever it is. I can't wait for you to meet them. How much more? Jesus. The woman at the well. Jesus said to her, hey, I'm the one. She's like, yes, crazy. He says, no, I, I am. Remember? You remember that story? She said, I'm going to go home to my husband. He said, oh, you ain't got a husband, honey. I know your story. I love you, but I know you. I know where the bodies are buried. Angela has some friends that have in the past come to sit with us and to confess their sin and, and their struggles. And, and there have been some of those stories where we've been able to say, 
we know. And they look and they say, you, you knew. What, why why do we, we still love you? We still love you. She looked at Jesus and she says, you, you, you know? He said, I know. You remember what she said? Jesus said, you go tell somebody about me. She went and what she said, come see the man who told me everything about me. He knew everything. Come see him. Oh, what an opportunity we have. What an opportunity we have to own the responsibility for the Great Commission. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. But he sent Jesus not only that we might be saved. He sent Jesus not only because he loves us. He sent Jesus so that we might share in this gift by giving it away to others. God gave so that we can be saved, but He also gave so that we might lead others to Christ. What a privilege. What an honor. What a joy. So what about your Christmas list? Who is your one? The one person you're going to share the gospel with this Christmas season. I want you to hear what I said. I didn't say the one person you're going to try to share the gospel with. I want us to put some feet to this thing. Who's the one person that you are going to share the gospel with? Right? You might fail, that's fine, but we're not going to try, we're going to do it. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to commit to this. Nobody ever steps into the batter's box and says, I'm going to try and hit the ball today. They step in and say, I'm going to hit the ball. So you go, who, Who's that person? How will you share the gospel with others? Maybe with that person, maybe with somebody else. What will you do? How can you create gospel opportunities? This is one of the reasons we're giving you this book. Because this guy, I like what he does. You know how he creates gospel opportunities? He says something like, hey, do you know Jesus? And they say, no, he's the only thing about him. Kind of works, right? Kind of direct and to the point. How are you going to create gospel opportunities? Maybe you invite somebody to church. Maybe you just start praying for them. And pray that God would open an opportunity, create an opportunity, create a door. Pray for the Lord to give you opportunity. You know what He did? He'll give you those chances. You know that? He will. In the craziest places. I shared the gospel with a woman at CVS one time. In the checkout line. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that there were people waiting in front of me in line. I had to wait in line forever to get to pay. And by the time I got there, I looked around. The whole store seemed like it was empty. And this woman was anxious to hear the gospel. The Lord will do those kinds of things. How will you share the gospel with others? Then finally this morning, do you need the gospel? What a shame it would be if you walked in here today and heard about the love of God. Listen to the opportunity and responsibility that we have to share the good news of God's love with others. And you walked out without ever having experienced the love of God yourself. It's Christmas. It is now culturally acceptable for me to wish you a Merry Christmas in public. Nobody can judge me for having my Christmas tree up anymore. But Christmas is not about trees and a red man in a suit. It's all about the baby that came. But if we stop with a baby in a manger, we've still not preached the gospel. Because that baby grew up to be a man who never sinned and who died on an old rugged cross so that your sin and mine could be paid for. Why do we sin? 
Because, or excuse me, why do we die? Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you've never experienced salvation in Christ, there is absolutely no reason why today can't be the day. See, I, I, I've been at this long enough to know that the Holy Spirit of God has an incredible ability to hit us right at the point of our need. But I also know that in those moments, I know that our flesh rises up against the Holy Spirit. The Bible warns us against grieving the Holy Spirit. And our flesh does everything it can in those moments to resist God's urging, to resist God's conviction. Maybe the devil even whispers in your ear and says, everybody will watch. Maybe your flesh says, I don't know if I actually want that. And what I'm here to tell you today is just as the serpent was lifted on the pole and they need not but look and be saved, so too has Jesus been raised up. And if you will but look to Jesus and call upon him for salvation, here's the promise of God's word. You'll be saved. And you know when you'll be saved? Right now. Immediately. Right away. Why? Because you must be born again. Don't buy the lie. Don't believe your heart. It is wicked. Trust God's word. You must be born again. And there's room at the cross for you today. Are you weak and weary with sin? Separated far from home? What better day is there than today to come and lay your burdens down before Jesus? Pray, Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you love me, for God so loved you that he gave Jesus so that you might live. Would you come this morning as we sing? Would you give your life to Jesus? Would you stop waiting? Would you stop putting it off? Would you stop trying to convince other people of your own salvation or sanctification or goodness? Would you come today and lay it all down? Would you come today and say, Lord God, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I know the truth. And Lord God, I need Jesus to set me free from the truth of my own sin and shame. Would you come today? Would you come and be saved? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would save somebody today. Lord, I pray that you would, that you would push away every excuse Lord God, every reason that we might could muster, and Lord God, that we would trust that Jesus is enough. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish and have everlasting life. You can have life today. Would you come? Stand with us as we sing.